Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your co-hosts, Gianna Whitford, here with my co-host, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited to have Beth Barak here today on the show. She is the Director of Product Marketing at Anapsis, and she's here to school us on all the intersections of product marketing with product launches and cabs and e-cabs. And Beth, we're so excited to have you on today. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you so much to both of you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yay. All right. So before we get into the intersection of product marketing with these programs that we do as marketers, can you tell us your background? How did you get into product marketing and get to the role of director of product marketing, which I think is a highly wanted and desirable role? Sure. So I've been in tech for a really long time, over 20 years, and I started my career in the channel. So focusing on channel programs, partner programs. Eventually I did a segue into technology partner programs. So I started to get very deep into understanding the technology of our partners and the vendor that I was working with. And that really led me to be more interested in products themselves. And so I did a pivot into product marketing roughly about 10 years ago, and I've been there ever since. And I've worked for very large publicly held companies like Cisco, all the way down to a very small company where I am now at Onapsis. Exciting. So Beth, so let's jump right into product launches. And I know that you have that breadth of experience across big to startup companies. So we'll let you pick (laughs) which company size you would like to give us examples and advice from on how to create and coordinate and synchronize a, I don't know if there is such a thing as flawless product launch, but a good one. Successful. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, Maria, that's a really good point. I think that a product launch is a product launch. I think to your point, when you're doing a product launch at a billion dollar, multi billion dollar company, what really changes is the number of people that you need to get involved, right? And the scale and the scope. I mean, I've been on launch calls with 30 people on the launch call, right? And I've been on launch calls with 10 people on the launch call. And I've been on launch calls with 50 people on the launch call. So I think exponentially, the number of people changes, the number of processes multiplies, things like that. I think at their core though, product launches all have to have three components to be successful. And so I know everybody who's a marketer knows about the four Ps, right? I kind of have the three Ps. So easy to remember, people, process, and performance. So to me, those are the three Ps, whether I'm at a very large company or a small company that are the linchpin of doing a really good product launch. And I'll kind of talk a little bit about what I mean by people process and performance. And then we can, you know, talk a little bit in more detail too about how they differ from somewhere really large and how you as a product marketer, whether you own the product whether you're just supporting the product, 
whether you're leading the launch, whether you have project management support, right? Those things differ. But the people, process, and performance, I think overall are what's important. And so from a people perspective, I think the most critical thing is do you have the right people assembled, right? And as a product marketer, we are the glue that holds together so many different things, you know, customer success and sales and product management. But I think at its core, although we work in a cross-functional team a lot of the time, we don't always think about all the peripheral people that we may need to bring into a launch. And we also may not have executive buy-in from those people's leadership teams, right? I think one of the key things is getting that buy-in. So Beth, give us an example of other than the executive team buy-in. What is one example of a of someone on the team or a job title within the company that we usually forget to include in a product launch but should? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think that a lot of times the support team is left out of people's thoughts. And I think the reason why is because everyone's so focused on launching a new product. So they're not thinking about, well, okay, but how are we going to support this new product? How is the support different than the old product, right? Because I think a lot of times people think, well, customer success will take care of that. Or they think about the migration path, maybe, or they think about the different personas or the different customer segments, but they're not so much thinking about that people like support or people like professional services, right? They need to also think about, one, they need to know a new product is coming and sometimes they don't. And two, they need to think about how am I going to support these new customers and how am I going to support my customers that might want to migrate to this new product? Love that. I didn't even think of support. I was thinking maybe it's, you know, engineering or something. (laughs) I didn't even think of support. And I bet you a lot of others don't, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's a really good question too, Maria, because I think people think they have a whole, you know, list of who they need. And then sometimes they, something blows up or someone in the company gets upset or something. And they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know you needed to know we were launching a new product, right? Because particularly in product marketing, you don't often work with support. It's not a group of people that you work with all the time. Professional services as well, right? Most product marketers focus on sales, product management, and customer success and their marketing counterparts, right? So I would encourage people to think a little bit beyond your usual suspects that you work with every day. What about getting back to your the point you made just before this about the executive team? What are some strategies that can be used to help create that buy-in on the executive team? Yeah, that's a great, great point, Jana. So I think, and I've had experience at, you know, at a smaller company, I think a lot of times, you know, the executives. So getting that executive buy-in is not as challenging because it's a small organization. You may have interviewed with those executives. Your boss may report directly into them. So your boss may help you galvanize that support. And I'll tell you a, a great story about a manager I had who was fantastic about recognizing how important that executive support was and helped me get ahead of it. So what he did when he found out we were working on a product launch He said, you know, I want you and the product management leader to present to our executive team. 
because this was a really great product. It was a new direction, a new product for the company. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous. Like this is a <laughs> really big company, billion dollar company. These are very high level executives. And my product management counterpart and I had a really great relationship. And we worked really hard to walk into an executive meeting of sales, marketing, product management. There were a lot of executive vice presidents in the room. It was a little nerve wracking, but I have to say we prepared for every question we thought executives might ask. We implemented the put five slides together, but have 30 in your background pocket, you know, like (laughs) making sure that you, for every obscure question, you can answer it, but just show those first five. Right. And so we worked really hard at thinking about the point of view of this launch from all the different executives of the company. And once we presented to the executive team, everything flowed so smoothly because not only were they really excited about what we were building, they also took it back to their own team meetings. And we didn't even have to do that. And so what happened was they sort of got everything moving in such a great direction that when we invited people to these launch meetings and launch calls, they were already 100% committed because the executive of their function had already briefed them about this product launch and told them it was coming and told them how excited they were about it. I can't take credit for that. That was my, my boss's idea, but that was a brilliant idea. That's amazing. That's internal marketing, internal brand awareness at its best, really. Yes, absolutely. So one thing we talked about on the scoping call, Beth, was the concept of a racy model for a product launch. Can you elaborate a little bit on how you're applying the racy model to your product launch projects? Yeah, sure. So I think, unfortunately, a lot of times races are a thing that people do, but they don't really think about what each of those letters mean. I was just going to say, let's let's explain it to our listeners. Yes, Yeah. What is a racy model? (laughs) And I've heard them called DCs. I've heard them called races, right? I I think we have this sort of shorthand and we say, oh, we're just going to assign these letters to people and then they'll just know what they mean. Right. And they'll step up and do what we need them to do. And so I think this racy idea of responsible for the R, right, accountable for the A, consulted for the C and informed for the I. I think even those words can be a little nebulous or just a little vague, and they may mean different things to different people. And they also mean sometimes mean different things depending on where you work. Right. I'm sure you both have had experiences where, well, you think responsible means one thing, but the person who is responsible think it means something else. Yeah. And how does RACI apply in general to projects before we dive into how you've applied it to product launches? I think for me, sort of taking that RACI and then distilling it to a function. So, for example, instead of just saying, well, we need to write some collateral, who's responsible for writing collateral? Oh, that's marketing's job getting a lot more granular and breaking out what are the elements of that content really entail. So for example, for a new product, does it mean that there's going to need to be market research that's going to need to go into thinking about that new collateral? And who's going to do that market research? Who's going to write that message map? 
And then who's going to write that content, but specifically what kind of content, right? So like who's going to write that press release and who's responsible for the messaging document that that press release is going to come from. And so that's why I feel like the racy or the daisy model isn't enough. And I love to use a much more detailed spreadsheet or Google sheet or whatever tracker tool you all use in your organization to share with people and really build out work streams that are a lot more detailed that have dependencies and dates and understanding of if this messaging document isn't written by date X, then the press release can't be crafted from it by day Y. Absolutely. If it's not done in time, we can't do the next item on the list. You know, capturing that, Jana, is so important. It leads to active listening and active questioning instead of finger pointing, right? I always try and tell people, you know, one of the things I've learned over my career is that if you just demand things or react to things, it's very difficult to get to the why of something. So, you know, particularly in a product launch, if product management just shows up to the launch call and says, yeah, we're not going to launch that on date X. And everyone just gets upset and it throws a wrench into the whole meeting. And as opposed to someone saying, well, okay, tell me more, right? And when you say, tell me more, or I understand, tell me more, it means you're saying to the product manager, I'm not blaming you. And we still have to launch something. So at the end of the day, right, maybe that product management person will feel more comfortable to come back to you and say, yeah, that feature's falling out, but these four ones are on target. But if you just get upset at like, this isn't going to make it, or this isn't happening, you're going to miss all that really critical information that you can still launch something. It just may be a different constellation. And now a word from our sponsor, Hushly. Hushly is the first all-in-one buyer experience and conversion cloud. Hushly takes critical marketing products that need to work together as a single solution and brings them into one unified platform. With Hushly, cybersecurity marketers gain efficiencies, productivity, and scale while offering rich, personalized, and connected digital experiences to their prospects and customers. If you're looking to be more efficient and make account and contact level personalization a core part of your demand generation, ABM, and content marketing efforts, then take a look at Hushly. That's Hushly with no E, H-U-S-H-L-Y.com. In terms of the, the work streams and say, okay, this is all if the stars aligned, right? If all the stars align, then a work stream with very detailed sort of roadmap to the launch would work. But then what happens if there are delays? Then what happens if things aren't, if there are roadblocks and you just covered that perfectly? So thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that happens and I'm picking on product management, you know, because we all as product marketers pick on product management. But truly, I mean, sometimes that happens with say, the marketing team is spinning up a new website or, you know, the PR team, has a specific 
date they want to make, or the events team has a specific event where they want to announce this. I think that's the one thing is to sort of hold on to your patience and also really keep a questioning open mind about something is going to get launched. It may not look like it did when we started, but at the end, there's going to be something out into the world that we all built together. So Beth, one, that's very inspirational, everything you said. I, Thank <laughs> you. It looks like he's just going to cry. <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> I love this like message of togetherness and empathy, I think I got from what you were saying, right? Like, let's all build it, hold hands together and build the bridge of understanding. So let's move that into empathy for us as marketers and our uh, struggle to get customer testimonials, which is like a constant thing in the cybersecurity industry, because of course, our customers are cybersecurity folks, and they don't want to give away their tech stack for risk reduction reasons. So I think you have had some success and have some ideas around building customer testimonials through CABs, which is customer advisory boards and ECABs and TCABs. Can you first and foremost explain the concept of CABs, ECABs, and TCABs, and then tell us a little bit about how you've used them to help glean testimonials from that hard-to-reach and hard-to-get audience of ours? Those are all great questions, Jana. So I think, you know, one thing about empathy, I feel like the world has finally caught up to me. I've always been someone that leads with empathy. I've been told I'm too nice in the past. And I'm really glad to see that leading with empathy is becoming much more important to many people in many organizations and across many organizations. So I will say that. And I think empathy is also a good segue into customer advisory boards, because truthfully, to me, having that empathy for your customers is really key. Again, we all know how difficult it is to get customer testimonials, to get customer speakers, particularly CISOs are really under fire, right? I mean, that is just a really tough job in today's environment. Anyone working in cybersecurity, it's a really tough environment. And so I think for them to actually take time out of their day to do a customer testimonial is really challenging. And so I think one of the ways we can give back to customers is by creating advisory boards. Now, granted, it is using their time and we're there to get insights about our products, but it's also giving them empathy to say, we understand your job is hard. We want to craft the best tools for you to do the best job you can. And the way we do that is by getting your input. The different levels of customer advisory board, some companies have them, some companies don't, but I think having a technical advisory board as well as an executive advisory board is important if you can have the bandwidth to do it. And I think the reason why is because the person using your product is different needs and wants and requests than the executive who is seeing the bigger picture and also paying for your product, right? Actually writing the checks. So I imagine for a cab, you do sort of like an annual or maybe it's a quarterly meeting. Maybe it's 
once every six months in person, full day event where you wine and dine them. Is that where you sort of lock them in a cage and say, give me a testimonial now that I have your attention? <laughs> Uh, well, I think, you know, so Brie, like some organizations will put those into contracts, right? We'll say, hey, if you're doing this deal with us, you have to do a customer testimonial. I think sometimes that can backfire because the person signing that purchase order is not necessarily the legal or PR team, right, that agreed to what that purchase order says, so, you know, to your point about locking people up or whatever, I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, I've locked down this customer case study because it's in the contract. And then I've had that come back at me where the PR and legal teams of that organization have said, yeah, that procurement person can't make those decisions. And that's who signed that contract. It's less likely to happen at an executive cab because that executive, that chief information officer or chief information security officer, most of the time that person at least has some authority to say, hey, listen, you know what? I can talk to my PR and legal people. We can make this happen. I think that particularly for technical references if you you know if you're going to an event and you want a technical speaker to speak with you about solving a customer problem i think a lot of people who are going to come to your technical cab love that really swimming into their problem and and you solving it i think that even executives if they're really fans of yours will agree at an event like that, particularly if you have, it's an executive to an executive ask. Also, that's another way people can think about being more successful for these requests is that, you know, normally that's a marketing person asking for a case study, right? Or asking for a speaking engagement. Whereas if it's executive to executive, a lot of times that goes over a lot better because then it's also sometimes maybe, hey, I am CEO or CIO of company X. We really, really appreciate your business. We love the tremendous transformation we've done for you. We want you to come speak with us at event X. That whole conversation with the marketing person or the product marketing person following up at the end is a lot more successful. Wow. I mean, listeners, if you're not taking notes verbatim, <laughs> word for word, definitely replay this episode because there's some things in here that are amazing. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. One more question about the cab before I think it's time to get into our game. Oh, a game. Okay. Yeah. Get excited. So product marketing and cabs and the building of cabs and orgs. Can you talk a little bit more about the structure of cab building, maybe cross-organization, like who's involved? Where should product marketing be included in this cab? Are they the one championing the cab? Are they involved with inviting folks? Are you just listening? Like what was typically your experience or what you saw as the structure of a successful cab from like a logistics and keeping it going perspective? Yeah, that's a great question, Jana, because I feel like cabs are run really differently. In fact, I was at your networking event and I was talking to someone about a cab and they said to me, oh, that's run by customer success and product marketing isn't even allowed to know about it. And I was really surprised and I said, wow, I said, you need to buy that customer success person lunch 
Uh, (laughs) or bring them a nice coffee or, you know, do a virtual coffee with them. I said, because you need to find out why, right? Because I think one, so many great insights for product marketers come from customer advisory boards. And if it's not being communicated to you, that's challenging. So I do think some oftentimes are run by customer success organizations. I've been in places where they're actually run by product management. I've been in places where they're run by a marketing function that rolls into the CMO that is focused on just sort of customer care and feeding and love, if you will, right? So they can be in all different places in the organization. I would say that if there isn't one where you are, start one, right? As a product marketer, that's a great project for you to take on if your organization doesn't have one yet, but definitely it's a team effort between product management, customer success, product marketing, and sometimes even sales or your SEs even to help understand who are the customers that are really our fans, right? Who are the customers that are doing really well with us? Not just like, hey, we want these big name logos in our cab. That's amazing. That's, it's also astounding to hear. Although we've heard it too. Maria and I have probably both heard this. I definitely have of marketers being locked out of things that involve talking or even listening to customers. And it's not helpful to company operations, not helpful to the success of the company to not be even able to hear from the mouth of the customer and what the customer is saying about the product. Yeah. Well, on a lighter note, now we're going to play a game. So... Our game is, and also Beth, we have to have you on a webinar or on something. You have to come back. You're an amazing speaker. Oh, thank you. And for that reason, and also I'll explain the game. The game is we are going to guess what you would be doing if you were not in product marketing at cybersecurity companies or (laughs) at tech companies. So relating back to just what I just said, I think you would be a public speaker, like on the stage not Tony Robbins, but maybe like <laughs> Guy Kawasaki, like, you know, speaking at big conferences, spreading the gospel of, of all this amazing information you, because this has been an amazing podcast and just punch after punch of like really valuable knowledge. Now Maria is going to go and at the end, you're going to pick who is the winner. Oh, all right. Okay. Beth, you have this natural ability to explain something so complex in such a simple and calm way. (laughs) You had my attention the entire time. So I think that you could be a teacher, specifically like statistics or something like really (laughs) complex. (laughs) And I have PTSD from statistics in college. Uh, and I wish you were my statistics professor. <laughs> so a professor or a teacher in high school, whatever, statistics, something super complex. That's my guess. Wow. So I've got to just fess up to the fact that I have never considered either of those professions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they both really intrigue me. And I really appreciate all the kind words from you both. I think probably, Maria, you may be a little bit closer just because I do actually work in my spare time for fun as a coach. 
So I went to Babson College for my MBA, and they have a fantastic program called Women in Entrepreneurship, WIN, and they have women entrepreneurs who are in the program who are assigned a coach for a specific period of time to help work on a specific goal that they want to achieve in their business. That is just my heart and soul. I love that program so much. I love working with all different kinds of women from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different kinds of companies, and really help them see the value of what they're doing and help them solve a tough challenge in their business. And so I think I use sort of both of the skills that you were talking about. So maybe more teacher-ish, Maria, but also to your point, Gianna, that whole inspirational speaking part, because sometimes it's really convincing these women that they can achieve these goals and that they can achieve what they really want for their business. Love that. So you're both right. I think it's a tie. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Fair. So what would you be doing then, Beth? Wow. What would I be doing? That's really hard. If you really like moonshoot, like no rules. No rules. No Money is no object. I don't know. I think coaching really is my love. I think watching people develop and learn and grow and do things they didn't think were possible and achieve things they probably didn't think were possible for themselves. That I think is what I would be doing in in whatever shape that would take. Amazing. Beth, where can people find more information about you if they want to reach out either about Anapsis or your coaching or just to talk about any of the things they heard about today? Yeah, absolutely. So it's nice to have a unique last name because I am Beth Barrick on LinkedIn. I am the only one, I think. I don't think anyone has my, it's my URL is my name. So it's pretty easy to find me. And those will go in the show notes. Well, this was quite an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Beth, for joining us today. We understand you probably had a super packed day, but you still chose to be with us for an hour to give our listeners your wisdom. And the wisdom was certainly given today. Thank you all for those listening. A new episode drops every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe so you can get an alert. And see you next week.